Hi, I'm Gary. I'm glad to be here with you. And we'll be looking together in the scriptures at two passages, one from Matthew and one from Ephesians. Well, I'll introduce our theme for today, God Broke the Rules. Uh, I'm thinking about a time when I was living in uh, Broward County, Florida. And some of you may have spent time in Florida. I spent a year there. I was doing research and development work for Covenant House, which was looking at the need for establishing a shelter for homeless youth. And we found out there was a great need, and there is a shelter there today in Fort Lauderdale. But at the time, I was living there. Of course, Florida, as you know, goes through a lot of changes with people coming and going. And at that time, it was kind of hard to find a person who was born and raised in Fort Lauderdale. And so because of that fast pace of growth, there was an identity crisis, and you could find people who had license plates that would say things like native. So you knew that they came from there. They, were, they grew up in Florida. They were born in Florida. And you'd see other people responding to those signs that said native, putting bumper stickers on their cars, saying things like semi-native or even alien. So, so people couldn't just sit back and let this constant change rob them of their identi identity. They, they needed to find significance as a member of a select group. And we, we often identify ourselves, especially here in America. We, we want to know what our ethnic group is. We identify ourselves throughout the world uh, by our, the nations we live in. We identify ourselves by states and schools and teams and lodges and churches. And it seems here, especially in America, the group that you're a part of, the group that I'm a part of, is always number one. We're number one. Groups can be helpful if they foster a sense of community so that we have a sense of responsibility to each other. Groups can be good if they foster love. But groups can be heart, uh, hurtful. Groups can be harmful if they're fostering segregation or separation or hatred, even war. Now, when you hear me talk about a group named God's people, do you think of a group that's exclusive or inclusive? Matthew wants us to know that God's the, the group called God's people is really open to everyone. And the people who call themselves God's people cannot find uh, their self-worth or their pride in being a select group that's separate and elite. We hear the term God's people, we oftentimes think separate and elite, but that's now how God sees it. And we're going to see how Matthew tells the story of how God decided to include everyone, listening to Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts 
and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you've found him, report to me, so that I may go and honor him too. When they heard the king, they went, and look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. They opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were, Then, because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. So we have things to learn from the Magi. Just as we had things in, in, in Matthew's story, he talks about the Magi. You remember in Luke's story, he talks about the shepherds. And Luke and Matthew are really trying to tell us the same thing. Luke with the shepherds and Matthew with the Magi. The Magi really are, for Luke, the poor in spirit. And they're assigned to, God, to us that God's people is a group that is for everyone. Jesus has very little to offer people who depend, those of us who depend on group pride for our sense of self-worth, Jesus has very little to offer us, especially those of us who are part of that select group, that group of people called God's people, which is not a select group. God has given his, and the interesting thing is, is that God had given that group of people, God's people, had rules that were given to them, rules against stargazing. One of the rules that set God's people apart, and it was very important as you go through the Bible, there's things that set us apart from other people, and one of the things that set God's people apart from other people is a rule found first in Deuteronomy. Let no one be found among you who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist. And Isaiah expounds upon this idea. You have worn yourselves out asking for advice from those who study the stars and tell the future month after month. People who trust the stars are as helpless as straw in a flaming fire. These are the fortune tellers you have done business, business with all your life, but they don't know where they are going and they can't save you. So there were rules against stargazing, but God broke the rules. God created a star so that people who were, in those days, there was no separation between astrology and astronomy. So the Magi who were studying the stars and paying attention to the stars, God created a star for them. God broke the rules. So you see, the Magi were to God's people what a New Age author or the writer of the local horoscope in the local newspaper would be 
to a Christian today. We don't pay attention to those things. We don't read the horoscope, do we? The Magi were nothing like Billy Graham. They were nothing like Pope Francis or Rick Warren. God, we find out, is not a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, or a Hindu. When Jesus was born, this contrast between these foreign magi, who obviously, if you pay attention to the story, they're kind of bumbling around. They don't really know what they're doing. They're trying to find the newborn king. But these foreign magi, if you look at them and their, their willingness to search and to find, and you compare them to God's people, the contrast is absolutely shocking. The Magi were enthusiastic about finding Jesus. They weren't distracted by Christmas. They were looking for Jesus. They were committed to finding Jesus. Their commitment was so high, they sacrificed their time and their money to make a very long journey to find this newborn king. And there are the people in Jerusalem. They're not astrologers. They're not reading the stars. They have lawful prophecies written in the book, God's word, about the coming of Jesus. And here's people like King Herod and the religious leaders. And at their worst, they are hostile to Jesus. At their best, they're just plain apathetic. They don't care. Not one of the scholars in Herod's court joined the Magi in searching for the promised Messiah. Not one. They thought they already had it all. They were God's people. They took pride in belonging to that select group of people. So, from the beginning, Jesus' followers are learning from this story not to trust in group pride for our sense of self-worth because Jesus breaks the rules. You know, he engaged with people that God's chosen people considered people that they should be, that they should avoid. This is a picture of Jesus looking up and finding Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree. These were people that Jesus engaged with that God's chosen people should avoid. Jesus was known for stepping out of boundaries. He stepped out of the boundaries of the culture. He stepped out of the boundaries of his religion. He was known for extending himself. He extended himself beyond his own group. He touched lepers. He ate with tax collectors. He forgave sinners. He praised foreigners for their faith. He taught women as students along with the men. You remember that the Apostle Paul, before he met Jesus, he was one of those people who took a lot of pride in being one of God's people. He was a privileged male among God's people. But after Paul met Jesus, he began to reach out to people he used to look down on. So we'll hear from Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ for you Gentiles. In Paul's day, of course, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. I always like to, for those of us in Pennsylvania, you can compare it to the Amish, who, who you're either Amish or you're English. In Paul's day, you were Jewish or you were a Gentile. 
And Paul's now writing to the Gentiles who weren't part of his group. I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ for you Gentiles. You've heard, of course, about the responsibility to distribute God's grace, which God gave to me for you, right? God showed me his secret plan in a revelation, as I mentioned briefly before. When you read this, you'll understand my insight into the secret plan about Christ. Paul had an epiphany. Earlier generations didn't know this hidden plan that God has now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets through the Spirit. This plan is that Gentiles would be co-heirs and parts of the same body and that they would share with the Jews in the promises of God in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul was excited. He was excited about God's power what he saw happening in his day. God's power could take people from different cultures. God's power could take people from different religions, different ethnic groups, different economic backgrounds, all different kinds of people. He could take those people and make them one. God's power makes peace between enemies and puts them together to serve God together. All kinds of people were adopted by Jesus. And Paul warned them that adoption should not make them act superior. Once you're in, don't forget you were once outsiders. We are to be humble, the poor in spirit, like the Magi, people who care about finding Jesus and sharing Jesus with everyone else. There was a new sister from outside of India, who came to work with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. And on her first day, Mother Teresa sent the new sister to work at the home for the dying. But before this new sister went to her assignment, all the missionaries of charity celebrated the Lord's Supper together. And Mother Teresa took the new girl aside as she left that celebration of communion. And Mother Teresa said to the new girl, you saw the pastor during the Lord's Supper with what love and care he touched Jesus in the bread. Do the same when you go to the home because it is the same Jesus you will find there in the broken bodies of the poor. When the new sister came back, she was, had this huge, enormous smile on her face and she came to Mother Teresa and she said, Mother, I've been touching the body of Jesus for three hours. Mother Teresa asked the girl, what were you doing? The young woman explained, when I arrived there, that I brought a man who had fallen into a drain and he had been stuck in that drain for some time. He was covered with wounds and dirt and maggots and I got to clean him. I got to touch him, and I knew, I remember what you told me, I was touching the body of Jesus. So God wants us to know that we are free. Like Paul, like this missionary of charity, we are free to include everyone. Paul continues in Ephesians 3. I became a servant of the gospel because of the grace that God showed me 
to the exercise of his power. God gave his grace to me, the least of all God's people, to preach the good news about the immeasurable riches of Christ to the Gentiles. God sent me to reveal the secret plan that had been hidden since the beginning of time by God who created everything. God's purpose is now to show the rulers and powers in the heavens the many different varieties of his wisdom through the church. That was consistent with the plan he had from the beginning of time that he accomplished through Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ, we have bold and confident access to God through faith in him. Different varieties of people in the church. Bold and confident that people, all people, have access to God through Jesus. So Jesus wants the church to be strong. Strong because of our differences. And that's why God broke the rules, created a special star to lead magi to Jesus. If we were to put a church together to suit ourselves, and I'm afraid this is often what we, we actually do, we try to put a church together to suit our, ourselves, and so we choose the people who are like us, who have similar family traditions, who have a similar worship style, who are like us in culture and economic status, even politics or education. We can't worship with people who are different from us. We have to worship with people who are just like us. But God is showing us that through the Magi, God wants variety. God wants to give us his strength through the gift of our differences. If we divide according to our differences, that makes us weak. If we belong to each other with our differences, then we can grow. We can become strong because now we're depending on Jesus. With all these differences, if there's going to be peace in the church, there's only one who can make peace, and that's Jesus. So we depend on him. And Paul says that's been God's plan from the very beginning. This isn't a new idea. God doesn't want me to try to make other people pray like me or worship like me or serve like me. Jesus loves our differences. A teacher wrote and organized a Christmas play telling the story of Jesus' birth. And she was very careful in the way she chose the right students for the right parts in the play. And she spent hours teaching them their lines. And she chose one of the bigger boys who had a learning disability to play the part of that traditional innkeeper. She thought he could handle the one line that he would have to speak, and because of his size, she thought he'd be the right person to sternly reject Mary and Joseph with these words, away with you, there's no room at this inn. And everything went well in rehearsal, which is a bad sign. All the characters played their parts according to the script. But when Mary and Joseph approached the innkeeper in costume, during the performance, the boy stood silent. He was struggling to say his lines. And the prompter whispered, away with you. There's no room for you at this inn. 
And the boy repeated those lines, but obviously reluctantly. And as Mary and Joseph turned to leave, the boy suddenly, with tears in his eyes, he shouted after them, No, wait! You can have my room. We would be in big trouble, wouldn't we? Most of us. If, if Jesus followed the script written for him as Messiah, if God had followed the script written for God by all the religious leaders in Jerusalem, but God didn't follow that script written for him, and Jesus didn't follow the script written for him either. He grew up to be a different kind of Messiah. He broke the rules. He didn't follow the script. And what I'm asking you today, is there a script that's been written for you that you need to forget? Are there rules that aren't from God, but from somebody else that you need to break? You see, because of Jesus, you don't have to repeat those lines that were written for you. There might be lines in the script written for you by your family, lines in the script written for you by your town or your nation or your friends or your church or your political party. You can step out of character like the boy in the play. You can love the enemy. You can accept the outcast. Because of Jesus, I can accept the person I was taught to look down on. I can accept the person who I look down on because of how they've treated me. Because of Jesus, you can accept the person you were taught to be afraid of or the person who made you afraid. God broke the rules that exclude and divide. And eventually we know those rules that the religious leaders had written for the Messiah, those rules broke Jesus to the point of death. But he's alive. And now there are, there's forgiveness available, counseling all the curses of the past and all the hatred of the past. We thought God's promises were only for a select few, but they're for everyone. W.A. Tozer talks about the right way and the wrong way to tune pianos, and this was before all of the electronic tuners we have to, to tune things with today. And Tozer said, if you have 100 concert pianos, and you tune the first piano, and then tune the second piano to the first piano, and the third piano to the second piano, and the fourth piano, anyway, on down the line. In the end, there'll be discord. The pianos won't be in tune. But if you have one tuning fork and tune all the pianos to the one tuning fork, then you have unity and you have harmony. Well, obviously you know who our tuning fork is. It's Jesus. I tune myself to Jesus. You tune yourself to Jesus. If you try to tune other people to yourself, you'll just have discord and harmony. But if each person looks to Jesus and gets in tune with Jesus, then we have power that works for unity and harmony in every heart and we'll see a miracle happening because the church is different from the world that divides. 
global people bringing people together to, be, to find their true purpose, their true, true harmony in Jesus.